Welcome to the National Leprechaun Museum's Talking Stories podcast, your home for Irish folklore, mythology and storytelling. Yes, we're back for another episode. It's episode 61 this time. Woohoo! And that wahoo is Deirdre. So it's myself, Mark, again on this podcast and I'm joined today by Deirdre. Hello. Deirdre, how are you keeping? I've missed the podcast. Yeah, you haven't been on for a while. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you did a nice stint of doing your stories, and of course, like having your your stories that are set by the sea. You're, I got lost in the waves. Got I lost met in a the lobster. Wa- you met a lobster. There's always you know, old hags in it. Has to be. It's old hags are perfect this time of year. That, that's your that's your set menu. Yeah, I oh. just I just want to be the old cranky woman in a forest who lives next to the water. Okay, that's that's, that's what I'm trying to manifest out into the universe, you know, through the tales of folk tales from the country. Yeah, we all do have our different. Yeah, we all have our different kind of types of stories that we like. Oh, definitely. Like any time I think of you when you're learning new stories, I always go back to Hudden and Dudden being the perfect Mark story. Oh, I love Hudden and Dudden. Between I've... friends, it's there's drama, there's chaos, there's it's cranky old lads. Like yeah. I mean, Hudden and Dudden, how I tell it is very different from the the written version of. It. I've actually removed all of the fairy stuff from it. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's funny though, because the stories kind of break down into different ones. There's, there's a time when our gods are wandering the land. Mm-hmm. They're literally like, the Dagda's walking along, his son's just died when he gets when he gets the Dagda's club. Then you've got this period where there's this overlap between the warriors and the gods. Yep. You yep. know, so in the pursuit of Dermot and Grania, you see Angus is popping into that quite a lot. He likes to feature. Angus pops up everywhere. Um. But that changes over time because mm. then it's simply the idea of the fairies yeah. uh, is enough. So while the people won't necessarily see them or or one person has an experience with an otherworld person, whether yeah. that's a, a leprechaun story, yeah. there's normally not any witnesses. Uh, but today we've got a story from Cece. Yeah. And he's doing one again where you still have that bit of overlap. There's still, you know, the otherworld people are living in their, their like, settlements. Yeah. And the lords and the regular people like have their land and Ireland is being shared. The one thing that I'm most excited about with this story is that it's a Lady Wild story. And yeah. there's not enough love for Lady Wild stories. So this combination of the fairy world mingling or yeah. the idea of them mingling and the thought of them in conversation or the topic of them discussed amongst friends is yeah. as much of a I don't want to say as a threat, but as a, a subject within the story than actually getting to encounter the good people. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. There's, there's, there's always a lot of tension in mm-hmm. horror stuff between them. I'm not a massive fan of Lady Wilde. <gasps> I'm not. Uh, I prefer Eileen O'Fallon and, and, and people like that because, I don't know, descriptions are a bit more raw. Uh, everything's a bit too fanciful. Everything's also too polished with Lady Wilde. It's very... I find of the time. So if you're saying it for a modern audience in today when we're sharing stories with audiences and the like, you do have to change up the language quite a bit. Yeah. And the role of the likes of sometimes religion and sometimes also other sort of systems within place of the story as well. Yeah, they also get rid of an awful lot of the, like just the really weird stuff, the like the, the scratch your head, what the fuck moments. It's also normalised. Which is brilliant because it makes it accessible, but you still need that one weird bit, like and somebody just... smelling armpits or something like that. No, but you like so you know, um, and it's not with wild. It's with um, what's her face? What's her face? Oh my god, <laughs> we 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 speak we speak for a living, but you know, like kind of like when the Malaysians are coming to Ireland, and you've got like the big like, kind of the the boar 
coming out with a mist and uh, Eru, Bamba and Fola are like are, are trying to push back in you know, over nine waves. Yeah. All of those kind of trippy moments get washed out. Yeah. In in yeah. some of the versions. And it's kind of like Beauty and the Beast. We were talking about Beauty and the Beast earlier on. But I actually don't like Be Our Guest. I don't like those bits in Disney movies where it's not realistic. How do I say this? Like, it's normally a lot of neon. There's normally a music sequence with a lot of kind of like surreal stuff. So the stuff. trippy bit that's very much Alice in Wonderland. I don't kind like of that in a lot. Fantastical yeah. meets the world. And I don't, you don't like know that where in, the lines are blurred. Yeah. I, yeah. I like it in stories, but I don't like being presented with the visuals because my head normally wants to do that bit. Mm-hmm. I don't like when it's just given to me. Then I've got a question to ask you. Well, if there's a movie coming out right. that's based on a book, will you avoid that movie and just read the book because you prefer the interpretation of it in your head, the way you've got it? Like you don't want it to the image of, say, a, how a character is described or how a setting is described. You don't want to see it on the screen because you're happy with the way no. you imagine it in your head. No, because like the first one my my went to like adaptions was uh, was To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. So I love the movie *To Kill a Mockingbird*, mm-hmm. and I love the book. Now, admittedly, I like I first did it in school. Yeah. But that was brilliant. They were yeah. two very different. Okay, interpretations. You know, like, two yeah. two different interpretations. But sometimes I love I love when I watch a movie, and they've worked in like a particular piece of dialogue. Oh. I like that yeah. with uh, with Dracula. Mm-hmm. Like literally with the Keanu Reeves, like kind of oh, like, with, yeah, with that, like yeah, kind of. But yeah. I I love when they get the right piece of dialogue in. Um, but I, I generally speaking hate misquotes. Oh, completely. Um, oh, completely yeah. I hate misquotes. Uh, my my least favorite misquote is the is the Marvel one. Is with great power there must also come great responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's also the thing about blood is thicker than water. Yes, because it talks of the covenant. It doesn't talk of the family. Yeah, there so was, it's it's basically yeah. so it's not saying when it says blood is taken in water, people say like, oh yeah, yeah, but your family come first. Yeah, but it's actually not the blood of the covenant. So it's basically the family that you choose. Mm-hmm. They're the real bonds. So it actually means the opposite of what people think. Well, there's another great one that I heard, which is jack of all trades. Yes. So. I'm trying to get the full quote, which is the jack of all trades and master of none. But then it turns into. Um, You've got this, day. I know you have. Uh, Who was Jack? Oh, but in terms, of, in terms of in terms of like in, while you're looking for that, in terms of storytelling names and stuff like that, mm-hmm. Jack is a perfect storytelling name. Oh, all the time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 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 one of the go-to names. Still to this day, one of my favorite favorite character names, if there is a person who comes up in a story, is one that Fawn had found from the research, which is Harry Stottle. Harry Stottle, yeah, yeah which yeah, is the yeah. Irish accent, not knowing how to pronounce Aristotle. Yeah, still well, one like of my favorite, t- favorite favorite things. Like when we're telling stories inside, and you get someone on a tour, and they've just got the perfect name. It happens an awful lot with children. Mm-hmm. Where you've just got like that, you get someone else. Or you've got like a Matilda, or a Phyllis, or a Phyllis. Yeah, Phyllis. That yeah, that famous storytelling name, Phyllis. No, there was a child that you had met on tour. One yeah, no, day there that was, was called a ch- Phyllis. Yeah. And then that evening, by sheer chance, we had a dog come and visit who had the same who had name. The same name, yeah. Oh. Phyllis to me is an older lady. Phyllis, name. the dog, has been in for two tours already. Yeah, that's what At we like to hear. For those who are listening, dogs are more than welcome into museum, but it's like at a taxi. There's a soilage fee, so you're going to be cleaning it up if your dog does anything. But not just working dogs, you can bring in your own dogs. The only time it's ever an issue is if there's someone else on the tour who has an issue uh, with dogs or a phobia or an allergy. Uh, and in those situations, we don't let the person in. 
also be warned that storytellers are very much dog people as well. Yeah. We've had an awful lot of visitors we've enjoyed and an awful lot of people walk through our doors, but anytime there is a dog outside of that museum, you get to see an animalistic side of a storyteller come out and get to really enjoy That's that's real enthusiasm. That's real yeah. enthusiasm. There are days where we have to fake it till we make it, but not when there's a dog. But listen, take us back to this Jack thing. Jack of all trades, master and none. Did you find it or did you just join in on my babblings? No. It's the jack of all trades, master of none, but oftentimes better than the master of one. Ah, uh, yeah. So it means that if you are a jack of all trades, you've got a bit of knowledge about lots of different things. But just because you're not a master of one thing, you still have knowledge that sometimes can be far, far Ah, uh, yeah. If you've got one person who can do one thing really well, yeah. but that's all they can do, I'd much rather a good all-rounder. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's, it's like that when, when taking people into here, bringing people into a museum. That's what you want is like... You know, so someone who is good with a broader range of our visitors, has fairly broad interests. An awful lot of times, some of the interests people have outside of the museum that have nothing to do with storytelling and folklore play really well into the tours then as well. I'm not going to lie, there's a very strange whistle sound that's just after I've come across the courtyard and I'm convinced it's an omen for something. What do you think? Mark? I think what it is, it's a sign that we have to get into the story. Oh, so yes. what we'll do, we're going to sit back now and we're going to enjoy CC telling a story to us now, Ethna the Bride, and we'll be back to you guys straight after it. Connacht is a place full of lore and magic. And not only did it have a king of the province, it also had a king of the fairies, known as Finvara. Now Finvara, he had a wonderful relationship with a young lord who had just gotten married. And this lord, he had a beautiful bride known as Ethna. She had long golden hair and wore robes of silver gossamer. And they'd often host these lavish parties where Ethna she'd be the centre of attention and she'd dance the night away. On one such night, as they were dancing and drinking and joining in celebration, the music, it just shifted for a split second. You wouldn't have even caught it with the naked ear, but it was enough to drive Ethna down to the ground in a faint. The Lord, terrified, picked his beloved up into his arms and carried her off to bed. He watched over her all night with worry. And as the sun came up, she bolted upright and began to tell him of this dream she had had where she had been underground and listened to the most beautiful music you've ever heard. It was sad, it was happy, it was enchanting. Well, the Lord became quite worried. So the next night, not only did he watch over her, so did the men of the castle. And as they watched and the sun set, they heard a distant mm. 
And while they closed the windows, they stuffed pillows in the nooks and the crannies so no sound would leak in at all. But even that faint little bit, that faint little home, had been enough to drive her back down into a trance-like state. She wasn't moving. She wasn't speaking. Her eyes were glazed over until sunrise the next morning where she once again bolted upright and told them of this dream she had had where she had danced with the fairies of Ireland. She had listened to music that spoke to her in a way that nothing ever had before. She longed to listen to it all the time. And all of the next day she hummed and she hummed and she hummed these sounds that people had never heard before. So that night, the Lord, he had a nurse watch over Ethna. And this nurse, well, she prayed. She prayed as much as one woman could, praying for Ethna's safety. But as the sun set, and it became just the nurse and her rosary beads, well, it was easy for her to softly fall into a slumber. As the sun rose the next morning, she woke up and immediately realised her mistake. She ran over to Ethna's bedside where she saw nothing but barren white sheets. She let an awful cry and the Lord came running inside where he saw the same thing. And he sent men far and wide across Connacht to search for Ethna. But it was to no avail. Nobody had seen nor heard of the woman. So he decided to ask Finvara. After all, the two were very close. So he rode up to Nochma, the fairy hill in which Finvara resided and began to question him. And when Finvara insisted that he had seen nor heard nothing of Ethna, well, the Lord believed him, until he rode up around Nakma and heard fairy voices. Asher, Finvara's a lucky man, isn't he? He's down there now, dancing with that beautiful lady, and that poor Lord, he doesn't have a clue. Well he did now. So he rode home like the wind and ordered his men to start digging into the fairy hill of Nakma. And they did so with vigour and gusto until they had a deep, wide trench dug. But as my father likes to say, an empty sack can't stand. They needed sleep. So they headed off to bed and the next morning marched back up to Nakma to resume their digging. But it was as though they had never broken soil at all. They were shocked. But they did it once again, hoping maybe it was just a fluke. And they did it a third time, praying for a miracle. But to no avail. 
And during this time, the Lord began to grow sick with worry. He himself took to praying. And as he prayed the days away, out in the palace grounds, well, he heard a little voice. Sprinkle salt. Sprinkle salt into the soil as you dig. Finvara can't touch salt. Well, the Lord's heart leapt. He believed it to be a message from the heavens above. So he ordered his men to gather up all of the salt in Connacht. And they did so. They resumed their digging in Nochma the next day. And with each layer of earth they dug, they sprinkled salt down until they had their trench once again. They went to bed with bated breath, and after the worst night's sleep of their life, they walked back up to the hill of Nakma. Their hearts skipping a beat when they saw their trench was there, so they dug like they had never dug before. They had a deep V cut down into the hill. If you put your ear to the ground, you'd hear fairy music. And you could certainly hear their voices. Finvara needs to give up that lady. If he doesn't, and these men of Ireland strike another few blows, we'll all crumble to dust. Finvara's voice was heard a couple of moments later, proclaiming, that if the men of Ireland dropped their shovels, he'd give back Ethna, the Lord's bride, at sunset. And the Lord decided to take his word. So at sunset, he rode up on his chestnut steed and saw his beautiful wife almost floating back towards him. He lifted her up onto his chestnut steed and the two rode home, where he settled her in on the couch, made her a cup of tea. But as he began to ask her questions, he realised she couldn't speak. She couldn't smile. She was like a frozen, waxen figure of herself. Well, he feared she had eaten the fairy food or drank the fairy wine. And Ethna remained that way for over a year. The Lord began to grow more ill with worry. And he took to finding priests or potions to help Ethna. On one such day, as he rode home, with a potion in hand on his chestnut steed. He had to come by Nakma, where for the third time he heard the fairies speak. Asher, Finvar is a lucky man, isn't he? Down there now, dancing with that beautiful lady soul and that poor, dense owl lord. He has no clue of the girdle around her waist. The Lord listened to every single detail they said from that moment on. And he rode home like the wind upon his chestnut steed, rushing into Ethna who laid in her bed. He reached up to her waist and sure enough there it was, 
a girdle. He untied the ribbon holding it together, took out a pin from the middle, set the pin down upon the counter, and he burnt the girdle with fire. He took the ashes, scattered them outside the door of the palace grounds, and he went back for the pin, took it outside to the garden, where he dug a deep hole underneath the fairy thorn so as no hand would disturb it. He buried the pin deep into the ground and went back into his beloved, where for the first time in over a year he saw a smile spread across her lips. Oh, my love, I've had the most wonderful night's sleep. She had no clue. She had no idea that for over a year she had been in this state. And when she found out, well, she was never really the same again. Herself and the Lord lived in blissful peace. But they never held parties. And they certainly never listened to music. So there we have it. That's Cece telling the story of Etna the Bride. It's and beautiful. we've got yeah, we've got Etna, mm-hmm. we've got Finvara, and the unnamed lord. The unnamed lord. Um, yeah. Obviously, you have to have Etna. Like the story's about Etna, uh, but Cece really loves Finvara. He loves telling that story. I've heard him tell that story many times on tour. It's not the only story he tells with Finvara in it, though. Like he's like, like the king true. of the fairies. Well, so Finvara's kind of important to the mythology, like. Yeah, they are, they are, but like I mean, I, I like Cece's obviously working through a particular book at the moment. Um, <laughs> Actually, that is very true of storytellers. You can tell when they focus on one or two stories or make references. You can tell who they're reading that week or that month. Yeah. And with Lady Wild, it's very easy to get obsessed with her work. Yeah. Especially when it comes to the superstitions, it comes to the charms, it comes to the stories that she had collected um, and recited for people. Like they very much are complementary to the fireside stories that Douglas Hyde is famous for telling. They are, but to me it's still, maybe I've got a chip on my shoulder, but it's there's particular people sitting around that fire. There's particular people at those readings and it's not the uneducated, it's not the, the family that share a tooth to eat their dinner. Very true. You very know what I mean? True, that's what I, yeah. that's the crowd I wanted, the lads who were like, you know what I mean, they've one pair of shoes. Yeah. That's who I like telling stories to. And if they've got shoelaces, then they're very lucky lads. If they're matching shoelaces, they've got oh. notions and I've no interest. No. I've no I've no cut with people like that. No. But Cece is a, Cece is a lovely way of telling the stories and he has this softness and these pauses, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of like, kind of like lulls you in. Um, and then, of course, when it comes to doing the voice, it's like, Finvara! <laughs> uh, it just kind of goes... I must, I must tell to those who are listening, when Cece does those voices, he goes for a hell for leather, and you can hear it through walls. Yeah. There was the time when Cece was telling a story 
whacked himself into the side wall for a dramatic effect and in the wall next to it we have our fuse box and it decided to completely swing open yeah because cc was so enthusiastic probably oh, telling this story we've had books come off shelves in the next room when he's thrown himself around in no, there that was brendan that was, yeah <laughs> that listen was brendan. brendan's not the only one to have done it brendan can do it with a scream as well but now getting the guys true. to come in and record stories for the podcast it's really like kind of yeah. like it's a different kind of audience. Someone's got headphones on. Yeah, you know, very different. Someone. You get to uh, really enjoy those moments, those still moments that Cece really loves and just really loves indulging into. Yeah. So he's like so many said, different voices. Yes, very, very much so. Um, but they can tell that they they know to have a balance, and once in a while you can hear the Dublin accent come out. Yeah. Especially when uh oh, what part of the story was when uh, the Lord brought Etna back for a cup of tea? Yeah, yeah, yeah that that was such a yeah. like, Cece's such a granddad. <laughs> the but, the, but the story itself. So we were talking at the start of this podcast how you know you have these times where there's an overlap between the people who inhabit the land and the people of the other world who are yeah. literally, physically in the hills, and that's that's there's a whole period of that is the theme of the stories mm. like you know the shared land um but this idea of going down and digging up the hill mm-hmm. and then you go back the next day and it's repaired and then you dig again and you go back and it's repaired it reminds me of the story of the founding of the church on the island of uh iona oh. uh, saint columbus oh. and they're trying to build a church yeah. on the island and every night it burns to the ground yeah and they're yeah. starting from scratch every day until they bury a holy man in the grounds of the church yeah. alive yeah who it, goes on to be Saint Ottoman. That definitely reminds me of a story that Potty told me a few years ago. We'll have to get Potty yeah. I've got to get Potty on for another story again. So you have to get yourself and Potty on a podcast mm. together. But the disturbing of the land, um, and of course Potty does that when he does the story of the cave of Keshkorn. Yes. Um, this yes, idea of well. threatening the other world people with destroying their land. It's never gonna end well. It's never gonna it's end never well, gonna but end it's well very tit for tat. Because okay, obviously, you know, Finvara has stolen away Etna. Mm-hmm. And the, the relationship was good before that, but Finvara saw what he wanted. And then, of course, it's kind of had those physical threats and the land is being disturbed. And then Etna eventually gets released, mm-hmm. or so it seems. Mm-hmm. But it's never that straightforward because all of a sudden she's quiet, which, to be honest, I don't see the issue with that. Um, no, periods of silence are nice. Um, he's not allowed to have any don't worry the storytellers never give him a quiet moment at work but it's like so she's back but she's not smiling and she's not happy and Finvara's not able to rest and can't sleep and is growing sickly and he needs his dearest love back mm-hmm. but it's that thing again of going down and eavesdropping on the fairies on the good people yeah yeah, and, and just, getting that extra information yeah that's one thing I love about about these stories is that the superstitions are literally sprinkled into it yeah the pin the salt yeah the protection element bearing it under the tree like it's it's yeah, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the binding with the with the, with the corset or uh, with the oh, girdle and also the the cutting of the ties, if you will, like the yeah. burning. There's this the symbolism behind burning it. with fire. With Let's fire, be specific because I think that was really funny because well, you're thinking fairness, like, what are the options? Well, there's also burning with acid, but we know that's a few centuries away. That's yeah, that's that's it's, it's a little bit off there at that point. No, yeah, maybe it was just to build up the drama, the burning. Yeah, with the fire, with fire, just in case there was any doubt. <laughs> um, and then you have the salt as well. There's this, mm. there is so much in it when you can start picking out. The, the elements in it that are all relevant. But it's laid out in a very kind of practical way. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm in the fairy hill, you know, during the day, and I'll ask the question, um, 
what happens when you throw water on a witch? Mm-hmm. And people will answer instantly. She melts or she burns. But, uh, but when I say to them, because you answer that as quickly as if I asked you what's two plus two. Mm-hmm. Sometimes quicker. Uh, numbers are not everyone's thing. <laughs> but if these things are so ingrained with us that it's just even now, 2022, getting ready to go into 2023, and it's just like, what happens to your water witch? She melts, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got these, you know, these bits kind of worked through the stories just to make it otherworldly. Yeah. I like to think of them as the breadcrumbs. Yeah, they are. They're, they're very much the breadcrumbs of the story. And when you know what their uses are, mm-hmm. you're thinking, oh, it's almost getting like the clue before the end of the film. You're getting the twist. You're getting, you know what's about to happen. Yeah, but these things are very handy. And the more you use them and they get repeated, the more it becomes ingrained in the stories. But Definitely. this idea of someone being taken physically to the other world mm-hmm. and coming back changed, and it makes reference to, you know, maybe she ate the fairy food or she drank the fairy wine. Um, there's another story called The Fairy Dance, which is a similar kind the of Kate story. The Kate Constantine story. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same story. When she leaves as a young girl, she follows the music, but when she comes back, she spent hundreds of human years in the other yeah. world. Oh, not, yeah. excuse me, not hundreds, but many, many decades, because when she returns to her family home, they have no idea who she is, but they remember yeah. a young girl who's gone missing generations before. Just like Flight of the Navigator. Oh, that's a reference. Just, just oh, like Flight of the reference. Navigator. Oh. There we go. Just to throw in a nice kind of like... But the, the alien abduction thing is very similar in the late 80s and the 90s to the fairy world. It's just the same descriptions of these mysterious lights, these strange kind of characters. Uh, the only thing that's different is the cultural and the... the, the, the I suppose the folklore of the, of the time. You know what I mean? Same stuff has been described. People going missing for long periods of time. Etna wakes up in that story having like, that was a great night's sleep. I was mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, you've been out of it for over a year. Yeah. You've been you on a bit I mean? of a trip, love. You've been on a bit of a trip. So the whole kind of alien abduction, fairy abduction, mm-hmm. there's a lot of similarities between the two. Oh, especially, especially in sometimes the language which been, you've been taken by the people. Yeah. Who are the people? What does yeah. this take in me? Though there, I've never seen a reference to fairies ainly probing anyone. Don't don't put your hand over your face when I say that. Many, <laughs> many, many a conversation I have with the lovely Mark is usually what he has to edit out of these podcasts. Oh, that's staying in because I, I think it's relevant. Like, really? Yeah, I think. Okay, no, because okay. But not leprechaun cannibalism that you had to edit no, out of a previous no, podcast. No, because no, that was just wrong. But in this situation, because what you look for is you look at the similarities between things. Of course. Equally, you have to look at the differences. Oh, gosh, yeah. You have to look at the differences. So that's one of the things between aliens and fairies. But this story (laughs) kind of ends quite nice, but it does. We're left forever changed by any experience. And for them, because you might have an aversion to something, you know. But this story ends beautifully with this idea of them never listening to music again. But that's the kind of a tone of the story that made me quite sad. Yeah. Because if you're living in a big house, you're a lord, you're a lady, you have all these men who've been taking care of the family, you've got nurses and people at your command. Yeah. And there'd be nothing but silence. Uh, like, of course, your life Again, is going I'm going to gonna enjoy that, open, yeah. Ultimately changed um, because of the things that have taken place. But at the same time, it's like, yes, life has forever been changed, but... Do you really want to be sitting in silence? Yes. Really? Yeah, no, no, I'd be like, yeah, I'd be okay with that. Just go out into mm-hmm. nature and then just listen to the noises that the world around you makes. 
But what if you hear the tune of the fairies in the well, distance? They, I mean, that's exactly what they're... What if you hear the chimes of the water? Well, that's, that's, that's what they're trying to avoid because to them, they associate... It's triggering for them. Mm. It's triggering for them. They've had a traumatic experience. It's a lot of PTSD. I don't yeah, know. A lot of PTSD. So, so I can understand, like it's like you never truly recover from these things. I just throw myself into food. Listen, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. You're you're definitely not wrong, though. You're not wrong there. So okay, well, listen, know. it's been an absolute pleasure, Deirdre. Um, CC, in your absence, thank you. Thank you, CC. Uh, yeah, it is. The podcast a... is in very good hands. Yeah, CC has yeah. been telling some quality stories lately, yeah. like he always does. We have to listen. We've got more of the guys on to a bit more variation on it. Guys, and storytellers it... too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if there's anything in particular anyone wants to hear you can of course drop us a note <laughs> we're all excited for some physical changes that are happening in the museum at the moment but hopefully you'll be able to join us and see them soon but for now CC in your absence thank you again love you Deirdre thank you thank so you. much and to you of course the listener uh, thank you Gurmila Gurmila Mila Mila Magot thank you all so much for listening to the National Leprechaun Museum's Talking Stories podcast Remember, the best way to support us is by liking, subscribing, or sharing with a friend.